Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And to chapter 3. And so our message today, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is a message that was proclaimed by both John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course we've just celebrated the birth of the Lord Jesus. And uh, in our Sunday school lesson this morning we looked at the, the visit of the wise men, or often referred to as the kings or the magi. But here, as we begin looking in Matthew uh, chapter 3, we see another miracle child, if you will. You may recall that John the Baptist's parents were elderly. And his father, Zacharias, and you can read this over in the Gospel of Luke, and we'll, we'll turn there in a little bit. Zacharias was serving in the temple. He was a priest. And uh, he had been praying to have a child. And the angel of the Lord appears to him. Well, you know, let's, let's turn over there and we can, we can read it. Because the Bible is so much more efficient. <laughs> and uh, I'll use up my time telling the story when uh, we can just read it. And so, uh, Luke chapter 1, and we'll begin at uh, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, 
For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Amen. Let's turn back to, to Matthew. And so, the, the Gospel of Luke goes on to give us the encounter that Mary had with, with the same angel, Gabriel, who announced the birth of the Lord Jesus. And uh, you'll recall that Mary was, you know, perplexed. She said, well, how is this going to be? I've never been with a man. And, and uh, Gabriel explained all of that. And then, and then he mentioned to her that, that her cousin, her aunt, relative, Elizabeth, was already with child about six months. And so when we come to this third chapter here in the Gospel of Matthew, several years have gone by since the birth of the Lord Jesus. Approximately 30 years have passed. And John the Baptist is actually the Lord Jesus' cousin. He's in the same family. And is about six months, approximately six months older than the Lord Jesus. Now, we studied this morning, as we mentioned, about the visit of the wise men. And so, you know the story about King Herod. The wise men had come to worship the king of the Jews. Herod wanted to kill the king of the Jews. The wise men came to, to worship, to surrender, and to pay homage to the king, whereas Herod wanted to destroy. So as this time passes, Jesus is raised in a city called Nazareth. And by all accounts, Nazareth was considered a very insignificant city. And as a matter of fact, it was a very tiny city. And it was viewed with a tremendous amount of disdain. And you'll recall that when the disciples were called by the Lord, Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And sometimes, sometimes we get to thinking that our lives are insignificant. Or perhaps our own community or where we live. But nothing could be further from the truth. You matter. Every life matters to God. And John the Baptist, it says in verse 1 of chapter 3 in the Gospel of Matthew, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. 
Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. How's that for an organic diet? <laughs> then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region round about the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, that is, the religious leaders of his day, coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ask that you be our teacher today. Speak to us by thy voice out of your word, by your Holy Spirit, to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the wonderful privilege of being your children, of knowing you, and of knowing that we are loved by you, and the wonderful privilege of loving you and serving you. Dear Father, as we study your holy word, speak to our hearts and help us to recognize our role and responsibility in the kingdom of God. Help us to understand, to acknowledge, and to accept the truth that each of our lives is significant. We play a major role in the kingdom of God. Not for our glory, but for your glory and to your honor. And with the hope that more and more and more people will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So our first point today is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Of course, we take that right out of the scripture here. It comes from Isaiah and also right here in the book of Matthew. So what does it mean? The voice of one crying, crying in the wilderness. Well, it's to speak with passion. Passion. A passion that's ignited by God the Holy Spirit. Now, he came with, a, you know, this, this outfit that he wore. Camel's hair, a leather belt, and he ate, you know, honey and locusts. He was not your typical, um, well-suited, if you will, pastor in a church, was he? He captured their attention just by his his appearance. But he spoke with tremendous passion. 
tremendous passion ignited by God the Holy Spirit. And he spoke with conviction concerning the will of God as revealed by God the Holy Spirit. God's word was given to us by God the Holy Spirit. And we are to proclaim it with conviction. And he spoke with consistency regarding God's word as illuminated by God the Holy Spirit. And people say, I, I read the Bible, but I, I don't understand it. God the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the understanding. And if you know Christ as your Savior, then God the Holy Spirit has come into your life. We just read where the, the, uh, John the Baptist said, when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. God's Spirit comes to dwell and live within us. He lives in us, those of us who know Christ as Lord and Savior. And when we pray, we should pray and ask him to reveal to us, to help us to understand God's holy word. John the Baptist spoke with consistency, and it is to speak without compromise, without compromise, as empowered by God the Holy Spirit. Sadly, in so many churches today, you have politicians, politicians, men-pleasers, as the scripture says, in the latter days, there will be a, a movement away from sound doctrine, and people will they'll call, churches will call pastors, right, who are able to itch their ears, or in other words, to, to, to satisfy the itch in their ears. A phrase used meaning telling them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. John the Baptist was not that way. Notice, these religious people, these respectable citizens there in Jerusalem, they come to him. And now, most pastors, if they saw one of these politicians or some well-known celebrity come into the church, what do they do? Oh, come and have a seat right up here in the front. Sit right up here. Isn't that right? Oh, and they'll be fawning all over them, falling all over them, you know, shaking hands, slapping backs, and all that stuff. As a matter of fact, there's, there's, a, there's something that happens in the church that really should not happen. A celebrity comes to know Christ as Savior, and automatically they want to make them a celebrity in the church, when in fact that person is a babe in Christ and needs to be discipled. To speak without compromise. Mm. Our second point. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now we get into a little more of that, the meat of the message, so to speak. John's message. The message of repentance. To capture the hearts of people as only God can do. Only God can capture the heart. 
God is the creator of the heart. He knows what the heart needs, and he is able to speak and to penetrate the heart. Now, we attempt to talk people into becoming a Christian. But if, if I can talk someone into being a Christian, somebody else can talk them out of being a Christian. You follow? And we try to make the message palatable to someone. We don't want to offend. Boy, well, you hear that a lot in the news today, right? This whole idea of a you know, being tolerant. John the Baptist wasn't so tolerant, was he? Not tolerant at all. And he had no problem calling out Herod. And what did he call him out for? For committing adultery. That's what he called him out for. And eventually, because his, his, his wife, who was really his brother's wife, that he had taken from his brother, she then had John the Baptist's head cut off. But he, he was to capture the hearts of the people as only God can do in the message. It's the message, and it's God's message. Not our message, but God's message that captures the heart. And then secondly, to turn or to direct the hearts of the people to the righteousness of God. God's righteousness. You see, the world has this, this, this picture of what righteousness is or what justice is. But God, God has a picture of what real righteousness is. And to find that picture, you look into the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. His life is the life of righteousness. To proclaim God's standard of morality and obedience. Now we read there in, in Luke. To turn the hearts of the people to the Lord. To get the attention of the disobedient and to make them aware of what is truly wise and just. God's standard of morality and obedience. Today, today, they want you to accept the world's standard of morality. And what is wrong with that? The world's standard of morality is the same as it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we're not to hate people. We're to love people, all people, from all walks of life. But we are never to accept sin as okay. Because it is not. It costs the life of Jesus there on the cross. To proclaim the arrival of the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He gave his life upon the cross because of the sin of the human race. Now, the sin that sends a person to hell 
It's not drunkenness or immorality or dishonesty, all of those things. Those are all fruit sins. We've mentioned this before. You can really put sin into in, two categories. The first sin, the root sin, is the sin of unbelief. It is the rejection of God. The sin of unbelief. And the sin of unbelief then gives birth to all of these fruit sins of immorality, dishonesty, drunkenness, carousing, and you name it. Pride, arrogance, and so on and so forth. And the world likes to hide its sin. Just like Adam and Eve. This, um, this lady, uh, and I, how do you pronounce it? I know the last name is Maxwell, I believe. That's on trial. Uh, she was the assistant to this guy, Epstein. And this, this, this ring of immorality. And all of these celebrities, you know, all these politicians, many American politicians who are in, in right, serving now in Congress, and the royalty over in England, and others from around the world, oh, but now they're, they're not going to let any of those names be made known. But if you were involved, your name would be plastered all across the newspaper. And boy, if there was a pastor or some missionary, or some Sunday school teacher, or some deacon involved in that, you know they'd be blasting that name all around the world to proclaim God's standard of morality and obedience. That's what it means. That's what John the Baptist preached. And he proclaimed the arrival of the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who was coming. Let's move on to the Next point here. Make his path straight. What does that mean? It means to tell the truth. It means to tell the truth. So, question for you. How much did you pay for gas last year at this time? Almost a dollar a gallon less. And in some places, more than that. More than a dollar less. How about the cost of going and eating somewhere? Have you noticed? Matter of fact, the cost of almost everything has gone up. But they want you to believe that everything is improving. Journalists are supposed to tell the truth. They're supposed to tell the truth, aren't they? They're supposed to report the facts. The facts, ma'am. I want the facts. Isn't that correct? Ah, but what are they peddling? They're certainly not peddling the truth. Yeah. Not the truth. But John the Baptist was to proclaim the truth, and we are to proclaim the truth as well. To proclaim the whole gospel. The whole gospel. Now, the whole gospel includes many teachings. But here are two 
that are, you, you just can't leave these two out. First of all, God's love for humanity. Now I want to give you a couple of, of, of verses to, to write down. Romans 6.23, the gift, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23, God's love for humanity is foundational to the preaching of the gospel. God's love for humanity. God's love for every human being. But there are some people who like to major only on the love of God, and they then they don't speak about or proclaim the judgment of God against sin. Guess what? All of us in here are sinners. We are all sinners. And if you think that you're not, you are mistaken. I'll come right out and say, you're wrong. You know, today, they say, well, you know, don't offend somebody, don't tell them. Yes, you're wrong. If you believe that you are not a sinner, you are wrong. And you need to repent. To repent means simply to change one's mind to agree with God, to acknowledge that, yes, you're guilty and God is righteous. That God is right and you're wrong. You follow? And then it creates within the heart a transformation. Whereas I was living my life in this direction with this attitude, I now change and turn to God, accepting His truth and living my life in a way that is pleasing to Him. Not pleasing to self, but pleasing to Him. Oh, but what do you discover when you, you live with and for the Lord? Yes, when you live to please Him, you will also be pleased. The Lord says, trust in Him and He will give you the desires of your heart. Because then the desires of your heart will be desires that are pleasing to God. God's judgment against sin. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And that is eternal separation from God. Eternal separation. Spending eternity in hell. And that's what John the Baptist was preaching about here. Using the winnowing fork in, uh, in ancient times as they, they sifted the wheat, they, would, they had this special type of, of, of fork and they would throw the wheat up in the air. The wind would blow the chaff and the kernel would drop down. And you can read about that. We've read uh, Psalm 1 several times. Where the ungodly are like the chaff which the wind drives away or blows away. Worthless. In the end, and judgment is coming. And we see judgment already falling on America. And those of you who have been coming to this, this church for a while, you know that we've preached many times and have said, 
If the United States of America does not repent, the judgment of God will fall on America, and it's falling already. Right here in Southern Nevada, the murder rate has gone up by 48% since the new administration has been in position. 48%. And it's not just here. It's all across the country. Crime continues to increase. Do you think that that's a mistake? It's a well-organized, well-structured plan of the evil one and those who really want to undermine the United States of America and the church. I'm going to tell you, sadly, there are Christians who vote these people into office because they're of that particular party or because their father was of that party or their mother or their grandparent or whoever. When the fact that that party stands for everything that is wicked and evil. And that is the truth. And Christians are to be about the truth and to recognize things and call them what they are. And judgment is coming on this country. Proclaim God's gospel, his love for humanity. I tell you, the Bible says the parent that doesn't discipline their child or hold their child accountable doesn't love that child, but instead hates that child. I was really loved. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, they let me have it. <laughs> All right? My mother, you know, she was, she was a little more giving, but boy, my father was, man, not one inch. Oh, but you see, because God loves us, he has to judge sin. And as Christians, if we truly love both God and humanity, then we must call sin what it is. Not to be mean, no, but to warn, to capture the attention and to capture the hearts of people and to point them to God's righteousness. Not ours, because we have none. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. And I don't want to offend you, but I'll use what the Bible teaches there. It compares our righteousness with a menstrual cloth. Stop for a moment and think about that. We all like to think, you know, we're, we're somebody, you know, we do this and that, etc. And yes, we are people of significance in God's kingdom. But at the same time, we all know that we are sinners. And that's how the Bible describes us. Describes us. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
John's message, he preached to differentiate between good and evil. That is to clearly define what is right and to clearly define what is wrong. To clearly define what honors God and to clearly define what dishonors God. God wants his people to live holy lives. Why? Because sin destroys. Sin robs. We learned in that Sunday school lesson this morning, Brother Gary was emphasized the, the importance of joy. Joy. The Christian life is one of joy. Amen? And we've said many times, does it mean that, we're, that we won't suffer or, or have sad times or grief? But in spite of all of that, there is this abiding joy that comes from the presence of God the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? And that word enthusiasm, you've heard, work with enthusiasm. The world doesn't even know. That word comes from the Greek, in, 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 which is a preposition, in, okay, determining location, but in theos. Theos is the Greek word for God. In God there's joy. See, they don't want to have anything to do with God, but they want you to work with enthusiasm. Right? Not realizing, yes, that joy comes from God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We're to proclaim God's provision for salvation. And who is that? His Son, Jesus Christ. Peter, over in 2 Peter 3.9, says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, as we bring this message to a close, how do these truths apply to us today? Like John the Baptist, each one of us has a ministry. On Wednesday nights, or Wednesday afternoons, we've studied. What is the role of the pastor? The pastor teacher. The pastor is to teach. And to equip, to train the saints, those who are members of the church, to equip them for the work of the ministry. You say, wait a minute, I thought you were the minister. No, we're all the ministers. We are all to minister. Like John the Baptist. Yes, his ministry was unique in time and in kind. But yet, he serves as an example for each one of us. He stood up and spoke without compromise. He spoke with conviction and he spoke very clearly. And we too have a ministry like John the Baptist. We're to go forth in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Not in our own power, but in God's power. I get so frustrated. So frustrated when I hear Christians say, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. I just can't do that. What they're talking about is witnessing to someone else about Christ. I just can't do that. I just don't know what to say. I just can't do that. They're plugged into the wrong outlet. Now what do I mean by that? Well, one Wednesday we were doing, having a, a choir practice and I put the CD, you know, in the CD player and the, I kept pushing the, the on button, 
but it wouldn't come on. I was like, what in the world is wrong with this thing? You know, then I turned around and I looked and the, and the plug was laying on the floor. <laughs> I didn't have it plugged in. <laughs> Too many Christians are plugged into their self. You follow? And they wonder why there's no power there. We are indwelt by God the Holy Spirit and the power that created the entire universe is there. God the Creator lives and dwells within His children. And we are to go forth in the power of God the Holy Spirit and proclaim the Gospel. We're to proclaim forgiveness and judgment. But you notice, people don't want to hear about sin, they don't want to hear about judgment, they don't want to hear about the end of the age. It's coming. We're to proclaim the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. This year is coming to a close. A new year is on the horizon. That means we are one year closer to the return of our Lord. One day, one week, one month. Only the Lord knows when He's coming, but He's coming back. And we ought to be growing in our relationship with Him and we ought to be filled with urgency as we see all of this lawlessness. Jesus said, in answering the disciples' question about the end, He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be when the Son of Man returns. And what was it like in the days of Noah before the flood hit? You read in the scripture it says, and the earth was filled with violence. They were having a great time getting married and all of that, partying, doing their own thing, and knew not but that Noah and his family and the animals went into the ark, and God shut the door. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And with each passing day, we get closer to his return. Now, you have family members who are lost, don't you? And you love them. You want them to know the Lord. Pray and cry out to God for them. Pray for them and pray that, that, that God will give you the wisdom to share with them the message and that also he'll send someone else who will be able or through whom God is able to capture their heart and share the message or several someones so that they will come to know the Lord as Savior. And also understand that some of those people will not come to, to know the Lord until you've been taken home to heaven. But God is faithful. God is faithful. In the scripture again, we'll read from 2 Peter. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
and from 1 John chapter 5. We have this confidence in him that if we ask anything according to his will, it is God's will for people to be saved, to know him, to accept his son, to know forgiveness in life. So if we pray for these people to be saved, we are praying according to God's will for their lives. So pray. Don't give up. Don't become exasperated. Don't give up. And witness. Share the message. We're going to stand and sing. Jesus paid it over. As you go into the new year, I want to also encourage you to make a commitment to read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Pray two, three, four, five, twenty times a day. God doesn't get tired of your prayers. Amen? And share his love with us. accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can do that now. As we sing, you come and give your heart to God. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.